Hello, I'm Jen, and this is Gardening Out Loud. It is Sunday, June 18th. It's about 8 in the morning, and it is a beautiful morning. It's about maybe 16, 17 degrees, not hot at all, although the day is going to get hot. Right now it's just perfect, and I love mornings in the garden for this. I'm watching a couple starlings that have landed on a cable line, power line, I'm not sure, a line next door and it's a pretty thin wobbly one and so they have to keep rocking back and forth with their tail to stay balanced. It's pretty cute. So what's happening today? Well almost everything that will be planted this year is planted. And that's kind of nice. It's a little relaxing to know that you don't have to worry about planting schedules as much anymore and you can just take care of tending. That said, it is discount plant season. If you are shopping at a big box plant nursery or one of those garden centers that they put up in the parking lot. This is the time of year they start to clear out their inventory. And listen, supporting your local nurseries is important. And I don't endorse just giving your money to the Weston family. But I also am a person who happens to love a deal. So around this time, I often stop by those garden centers and see, especially if there are perennials, that I can get, usually you can get them 50% off. And that for me is an affordable way to build my collection of perennials. That means that sometimes at this time of year, random things get wedged into little gaps, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Just when you think the garden might be full, there's usually room for one more. And this week I actually did this at one of our local plant and seed sellers, which is Urban Harvest, a company that I love and I buy their seeds a lot. They were clearing out or are clearing out still their annual plants. And so they're 50% off. And so I went and bought a few things and wedged those in. I mostly bought additions to my cut flower collection but i also bought a honey nut squash plant which probably i shouldn't have because i should just commit to not having curcubits in my garden in the hopes that i can get rid of the bacterial wilt problem i seem to have gotten over the last few years which is basically when there's a certain kind of beetle that goes in and they introduce an infection in your plants which start out looking so healthy and wonderful and might even fruit if you're talking about cucumbers for example but then eventually they just very quickly die off and this is kind of heartbreaking but they can overwinter in the soil so really what i should be doing 
if I were more disciplined, is to starve them of their food source. But I love fresh cucumbers. I make hella good fridge pickles, if you ask me, or ask a lot of other people, to be honest. And part of what makes them good is that the pickling cucumbers are so fresh. And so often I end up caving and putting in plants anyway. And this year, the honey nut kind of falls into that category. If I had been in a more restrained mood, I probably wouldn't have bought it. A honey nut squash, by the way, is like a mini butternut squash, but sweeter. So I got that. I got some king-sized asters. I have grown these from seed in the past, but they are fiddly. And so I don't mind the shortcut this time. I also bought a ground cherry plant, which I haven't grown in many years, but a ground cherry is a husked fruit that has that papery casing on it, like a tomatillo. And it tastes tropical. They're really wonderful fruits, but the plants look somewhat like a tomato plant. But they make these orangey yellow little bursts of tropical wonder. And I haven't gone them in a long time. I had a space in one of my repurposed beehive boxes I use as planters, and so I stuck one in there. I also picked up the sweetest little violas I've ever seen. The flowers are smaller than a dime, and they are too perfect and too cute for me to have passed up. They are edible, by the way, so they're not just like totally, you know, for funsies but I put them in some planters up by my, up on the fire escape because, okay, sometimes something is so cute, you just have to have it. Also picked up some Larkspur, which I haven't had a lot of success at growing from seed myself. So we'll see how that goes. I've never grown it as a cut flower. Anyway, so a bunch of little goodies came home with me from that sale that I had not planned to get, but they're in. I found a place for them. It's all good. A funny thing about this garden is that I sometimes struggle with how to define what it is. Like, is it a very small farm? Because most of it isn't designed like a garden. I don't design for aesthetics, with maybe the exception of the spring garden, which has more ornamentals and I thought more about design when they did it. It's not an area that I harvest from very much, other than some of the bulb flowers in the spring. So. It's not really a garden in the sense of highly designed gardens that are there for their own sake. I do very much cultivate things to remove from the garden. A lot of the roses get cut and don't hang out in the garden. And listen, there are whole different philosophies about this. This is just mine. So in that way, it is a little bit like a farm, just a very, very small one. But also I don't sell the things I produce. So then I don't, and I certainly don't live by them. So then is it a farm? I don't know. So let's walk around and see what's happening in this farm, garden, whatever it is today. One new exciting thing is that the garlic is putting up its scapes. So if you grow hardneck garlic, that's one when there's just one row of cloves in it, it will send up what is called a scape, which is a curly, well, it starts curly, 
essentially it's a flower stalk. It's going to make a flower. And these are edible and they are in fact an underrated garden product. You want to harvest them when they are still young and curled over. So I often harvest them by kind of putting them on my wrists like bracelets, like stacked bracelets. And that's a good time to harvest them before they get tougher. And you can just kind of cut them where they start to curl. And what do you do with them? You can saute them. People put them on pizza. But my favorite thing to do with them is to make a pesto, a garlic scape pesto, which is basically olive oil and garlic scapes, a bit of lemon juice, a bit of salt. I don't put any nuts in there. And I whip it up and in my little food processor and I freeze it in jars and I take them out all year long. And this is a wonderful potion. I love it in the ways that you might usually use a pesto, like say on pasta, but also I like it on eggs. I love it on sandwiches in a grilled cheese. It is divine. You put that in there. Mm. And it is truly one of my magic ingredients. If something is a little underwhelming when I'm cooking it, throw a little bit of that in and you are back on track. So if you have the chance to either harvest scapes of your own or to buy them, I often buy extra ones at the greengrocer near me. I highly recommend you do that. Okay, what else is happening? The tomatoes are starting to flower. And ooh, the first little green fruit is happening. The winner of the race this year is a tomato called Cosmonaut Volkov. It is from Ukraine. It is a beautiful slicer, one of my favorites, maybe my favorite. And uh, that is the first tomato to set fruit. This is also an important time to pinch the side shoots off your tomatoes, which is to say the additional offshoots that are coming out of like the armpit of your tomatoes. So between one branch and the stem, you'll see extra ones trying to grow on the 45 degree angle out of there. And if you let those happen, your indeterminate tomato is going to be a wild mess really quickly. It's also using that energy that it could be using to make fruit, for example, or to flower, to make these little extra green bits. And we want them to focus on the thing we want, which is the fruit. So it's good. To, I just pop them off with my fingers. I walk around most days that I'm out here and just pop off any new ones that have come up. Also, sometimes they'll put out extra little branches near the bottom and I take those out too because we don't need them. Let's see, the catmint is flowering, so I'm probably going to cut that down most of the way and it will grow up again. That will be a delight for the cat. I do dry some of it. What else is happening? Oh, the Cerinthi or honeywort is flowering. And it is, in my opinion, one of the most elegant things I grow. It has blue-green foliage that produces an arcing stem. And at the end of the stem, these little purple bell-like blossoms kind of just tumble out of the end. It has such grace. And I use it in cut flower arrangements. 
And in fact, I think I'm going to make one this morning with some of the roses and just these absolutely gorgeous stems. It is a wonderful plant. This is only my second year growing it. I'll try and put a photo in the newsletter so that you can have a look at what it looks like. Today I'm going to fill in some beans and spots where ones didn't come up. This can happen, especially when you're gardening with animals like I am, and sometimes they like to find tasty little beans to eat. So I'm going to fill in some of those. And actually there's an area where I had planted a few carrots and it looks like they're not going to come up. I think it's time to give up on them. I was using some older seed, so that's not terribly surprising. Germinating carrots is also finicky. They need to stay moist the whole time. I had put some landscape fabric over it, but you know, if the weather is not wet enough or you're not watering often enough, it still might not happen. And in this case, I was using seed from, I think, 2019. So that's a bit old as far as carrot seed goes. Different seeds last for different amounts of time. And so it's always good to check if you have seed that's been kicking around. Do a little Google search, look for a chart. Some can last a really long time, but some it can be only a couple of years that it's really going to be strong seed that has good germination. Oh, there's a little bee on my rose. On Munstead Wood. I'm still at the part of the year where I'm charmed by just about every bee I see. So, <laughs> not that that goes away all that much. Oh, okay. Another new exciting thing in the garden is my friend Joy who I volunteer at Community for Just Toronto with was, was redoing her garden. And so she messaged me earlier in this week and said, I have a peony. Do you want it? These words are rarely uttered because while peonies can be divided, people are pretty possessive. I don't know. That's not something that reproduces so quickly that people want to give it away with abandon. So it is a wonderful gift. And so you better believe I popped out of my chair and got on my bike and rode over to pick it up and brought it home and washed its roots very thoroughly so that jumping worms are not going to come with this peony and put it in. Actually, I put it in one place and realized that was a bad place and I moved it <laughs> about 20 minutes later. And you I mean, this foliage is droopy. It's not the most happy, but that's okay. This wasn't the ideal time to move a peony. This is a time where the plant has expended a lot of energy already. It doesn't necessarily want to be disrupted, but you know what? We're going to try. I haven't had the best success with peonies in this garden, but I have also tended to work with like very sad end of season. And by that, I mean like October, September discount peonies and other kind of misfit toys of the peony world. So I'm, this one seems like it will give me a better chance. I was relating this story to one of my stepmoms and she mentioned that an old farmer who she knew had said of peonies, them's weeds. And so I'm going to try to take this to heart and to... <laughs> hope that this in fact will persevere despite the fact that it looks a little sad right now. I think we're going to get there. 
It looks like the bachelor's button or cornflower is going to bloom. Certainly by next week, we'll have blooms on that. Oh, the lavender is blooming. Yes, let's smell it. Mm. Yes. One of my habits when out in the world is to run my hand up people's lavender and just take a big inhale. Even if there's no blooms, I mean, the foliage of lavender is very scented too. I grow two kinds of lavender here. One is your kind of traditional English lavender. And it's great. It's vigorous. Makes lovely smelling blooms. But I also grow a culinary variety, which is Blue Hit a Coat. And I actually just put a new plant in this year. Two years ago, one got killed off in the bad winter. And it took me a while to find this one to replace it. Its blooms are a bit darker purple. And this is just a better lavender for eating. The other one you, you can too. But I value that one more for its scent than for its taste. So I'll save them both. I'll dry them both and I'll be drying them soon. You want to get them when the flower heads are fully formed, but before all the little flowers start opening or like when there's just a couple open, because once they get blown open by like that, they're going to start to lose some of that marvelous scent. Okay, I think the last stop on this week's garden tour is my poor service fairy, who is having a very bad year. And I'm not sure why this plant is six years old at least. It's getting to be almost as tall as me. And generally, it provides a pretty good little crop of berries. Right around now, or a little, you know, a week or so from now. And this year... It flowered, that was successful, but it seems like those flowers weren't pollinated. And there are, I can see four berries on this whole plant, which is very unusual. So I don't know if like we had a blast of heat or something and those blossoms dropped before they were pollinated. Also something seems to be happening in the leaves. It looks like there's some insect stress of some kind. I might have to take this one to the Wise Toronto Gardeners. <laughs> it's a Facebook group, but there is a lot of collective knowledge there. I might have to ask them if they know what's going on with this guy. While I'm over by the service berry, I can see that the raspberries are setting fruit. They're still pretty small and they haven't started turning color yet. And there are still some bees working on the blossoms that are still present. You can see two honeybees and a bumblebee right now. And that's great. I think we'll have a decent raspberry harvest this year, which is always nice. June. Is there anything better than June? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a great month. Anyway, it's also strawberry season. If you grow strawberries, I grow a few. I don't baby them. Squirrels take some. It's like that. But right now in my hand, I have a small wild strawberry. And so today I think I'll end with the taste of June. Mmm. So sweet. So good. I am wishing you 
a wonderful week ahead, one that is so sweet and so good. And I hope you get some time to be out there interacting with all the green things during these beautiful June days. Take care. Thank you.